Welcome to the Active Topical Banter Show, RP Gamers Editorial Roundtable Podcast. I am Scott Walker, and with me tonight are my co-hosts. I am the Lizard Queen, Sam Marcello. Um, I am obtuse panda, Trent Seeley. Still a panda? <laughs> I've decided to be a panda. I really like them. Hey, just checking. And I am supreme overlord of no pants, Michael Cunningham. No pants dance, no pants dance. You can't podcast with pants on. It's illegal. It, 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 it is the rules. Like, the, the commissioner of podcasting comes over and... Um... He steals all your pants, and then he delists you from iTunes, mm-hmm. which is mm. which is just a pain. I wonder. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder if it changes. Like, if the podcast listeners have a different perspective of us, if they know that we're then talking in our boxers. <laughs> like, I like. Here, here's a fun treat for all of you listening. I'm wearing pants tonight, and I'm I've worn pants all of but one other active topical banter podcast. Try and figure out which one it was. <laughs> <laughs> well, in fairness, I don't technically have no pants on as much as pajama pants. I just have to take off. The, oh, have to take off man. the real pants. Uh, you're, you're, you've lost your own self-respect if you're in pajama pants. <laughs> I well, like no all right. pajama pants. Problem solved. <laughs> Problem solved right now. Now, what's really awkward are these podcasts where people are like in the same room. Like on an actual roundtable, yeah. gets a little awkward there. But hey, they still or, or, have to or, do it. Or, or like sharing the same mic and having to pass it back and forth. <laughs> uh, we live in exciting times. Exciting times. <laughs> we use we Skype, <laughs> yeah, without the video on because um, that would probably... for the sake of it all. For well, the sake of all, yeah. Yeah, for the we sake could, of we all. We could have a video podcast. That would be a thing. Can can we not? I put my ugly mug being channeled on the internet. <laughs> yeah, generally speaking, because we live in such different time zones, we are always fairly late at night, which makes looking good a little bit more challenging for everyone involved. <laughs> also, yeah. you guys are all so much hotter than I am. <laughs> yeah, but you're the only one with a fan club. Yeah, that's true. Oh God, this fan. And we're all actually pretty close in time zone too. That's the weird thing. We're just one time zone apart. Yep. Well, you are Trent. Yeah, he's in yeah. the time zone I didn't even know existed for years. Yeah, I didn't know there Atlantic, was one. Atlantic time zone. They made it just for me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so getting into um, so so getting into the real meat of the show, we do have some housekeeping in that. Uh, you know, we got the listener uh, feedback thread, the general feedback thread going. I'm, I'm going to keep it open for however long because I don't really care to close it. But uh, the big things that came out of that were some topic suggestions that some of them are already on my list of topics, some I'm going to add or work around. Uh, And the one big thing that people were asking for were transcriptions. And this is kind of a thing Uh, I I just want to address directly. Um, Take the total runtime of an episode. Multiply that by three. That is how much time it takes me to turn on it turn the show around from record to edit to doing archives i am not i am not spending any more time on sh- on show notes than i already am 
I'm not. Oh, but speak. but but you could use one of those um, like uh, voice to text programs, and yeah. then it'll get half of the words wrong and yeah. add no punctuation. Yes, so, exactly. So there is there is still a future. You know, on occasion, I'll watch a, a video on YouTube produced by one of my favorite people who like to make jokes, and I'll put closed captioning on. And I'll understand the hell that is voice-to-text programming. Because, like, when someone says something about going to the valley and it mentions eating Venezuela, like, that's when you understand that this technology has not caught up, you know? (laughs) So I think think everyone can just uh, listen intently to our words. And I'll also say that... I we we use this medium to express these thoughts because we like this medium, and so turning around and putting a lot of work into it so that you could read it defeats the point of what we're doing. <laughs> but worry not, because we still write editorials, at least Trent does, and I've got another one in the works on a very similar topic to what we're talking about tonight, so I'm going to have to hurry up and finish that one before this goes live. <laughs> <laughs> Which might not happen. <sighs> Yes. You've got Especially four whole you... days. I have, I have some faith in you, Mac. Yeah. But not, not all the faith, unfortunately. I wouldn't ultimately, put all the ultimately the, the greatest thing about this format that we have, um, outside of the fact that it's more accessible than like a 1,200-word wall of text, is that we get multiple perspectives in it. That's what I think is the coolest thing. Um, and emotion. Yeah. And emotion. And Sam. Sam's here. So... <laughs> Why don't they some sort of jingly that's, that's, cat that's, thing, for, I guess. for the most part, that's that's the biggest detriment to all of my editorials, the fact that I can't shoehorn Sam in. Well, I can probably find a way to shoehorn Sam in. I'm going to start writing a small reference to Sam in every editorial <laughs> for the rest of the year, and she'll have to figure out what it is. <laughs> in fact, Regardless. that's our first contest. <laughs> contest number one is find out which episode of Active Time Top of Commander show that Trent was not wearing pants, and... Start reading the, Sam start reading the editorials exclusively for the Sam cameo. <laughs> exclusively. A Samio. <laughs> Sam is now the Stanley of the editorials department. <laughs> I don't know whether to laugh or continue blushing. I'm so confused right now. <laughs> so are we. Uh, this is going into the fan club newsletter, Sam. I hate you guys. <laughs> oh, that was the other thing? Someone seemed to think the newsletter was serious? I don't think he got the joke. <laughs> I'm sorry. Please, no no newsletter. The fan club is bad enough, but they keep going with it. But but, but for, for real, though, send me your email addresses and I'll shoot you a San Marcello pen. <laughs> okay. I don't know what, what money you're going to make these pens. They've already been made. I have, like, 299 more. So, like, I gotta get them out. Like... <laughs> The love is too much. Who doesn't want a pen with Sam's face on it? Like, I will make the ugliest faces for you. Just make those pens sell faster. (laughs) Done. (laughs) Let's make it happen. I will make Elaine Bennis faces for you. All right. (laughs) Before we go to topic, there's something jingling in the background. is that pancakes? Because it's not <laughs> Yeah, my, my cat was attacking a toy. I'm very apologetic, guys. Right. It's okay. I'm sure you guys can hear Brutus again, as per usual. <laughs> so I'll, I'll fix that in post for 
But okay, so the the main topic for the evening is is this thing that Kyle McGregor wrote when he reviewed Tales of Zillia for Destructoid.com. And it, it made me angry for a lot of different reasons that we're going to unpack. And the exact quote is, Like sharks, the Japanese role-playing game is essentially a living fossil. The venerable genre has seen others rise from the primordial soup, evolve, wither, and perish. A product of a bygone age, the JRPG still remains very much akin to its early paradigms. Uh, and something I immediately thought of is something I say about pandas. Specifically the giant pandas. Red pandas are hella cool, but giant pandas... Uh, super adorable too, right? <laughs> yeah, but but giant pandas are oversized, uh, maladaptive sacks of fur, serving no ecological niche, and have only survived extinction thus far because a dedicated group of people appreciate them only for their aesthetic value of being adorable and fluffy. <laughs> Isn't that hilarious, though? One one of the few instances of human intervention stopping animal extinction, and it's done out of vanity. Yeah, it, like there there are like all kinds of fish that are just dead forever. Those fish were doing shit. Pandas don't do shit. They're fine yeah. though. Yeah. Can we at least keep bulldogs alive? I like those. So, so it's interesting that he's using uh, the term shark as as a living fossil because uh, the the common cliched quote I've heard in numerous media, uh, especially shark movies, is that they're considered the perfect predator because they don't have to evolve anymore. They evolve to the point where they are the perfect creature, the perfect hunter for their realm or what have you. So if anything, like you can use an, a metaphor of JRPGs being shark-like uh, to say that they're the pinnacle of evolution for their own genre, but like he chose to take it as them being antiquated and <laughs> and stuck. Yeah, but so. he he also praises it for being stuck. Yeah, it's not necessarily a negative what he is it's saying also, there because it's, it's, he's it's saying weird. it's still existing despite all attempts to kill it. <laughs> yeah, but but to the same effect, he's also making uh, a mass generalization. Now, now there's going to be people in the comments, I'm sure, because there are always people in the comments whenever we talk about the, the term JRPG that will make the clarification that a JRPG is just a RPG that's made in Japan. It could be a traditional RPG. It could be an action RPG. It could be um, a, a multiplayer RPG. As long as it's made in Japan, it's technically a JRPG. Um, the way that a lot of Western reviewers refer to the term JRPG is not as a JRPG. It's it's like a traditional. It, well, JRPG to the... is a style. It it's sort of like it. It's like when you order a Canadian pizza, right? Like it can be from anywhere, but it's going to have bacon and mushrooms on it. Yeah, that's actually pretty fair. I feel like right. I feel like there there are some like commonalities in most JRPGs. You know, there's there's wacky uh, anime like characters and and uh, cliched dialogue and plots to save the world. And Amy Lee is a voice actress in there somewhere. Amy Lee is a voice actress in like eighty percent of JRPGs. Probably Wendy or, Lee. Wendy Lee. Wendy Lee. Wendy Lee. Oh gosh, she's at least been in all the Tales games. She well, she also voice direct does the voice directing for all the Tales games. 
Jeez. The more you know Rainbow right there. Yeah. I actually hate I, I can spot her right away in every game that I play and I and I I can't stand her and it's I feel really bad because I'm I'm sure she works really hard at her job, but I, I can't stand her. <laughs> I like her when she's being Faye Valentine in Cowboy Bebop. Otherwise I am indifferent. All right. Well, so so th- this well th- this gets me to what my first point is there is a recurring thing on the forums. I'm going to call out um Davy D, however he wants me to pronounce that whatever. Davdy? Davdy who keeps po- who keeps bringing who has this axe to grind about how JRPGs need to move forward. Like there is a teleological gate like that game design is somehow teleological <laughs> that eventually there will be one game that is the epitome of game. It will be it will be the platonic ideal of game and we just have to keep working towards that. And that is well, bunk. <laughs> all right. Now, as far as needing to move forward, I think that, in my mind, differs from, and I'm not going to talk about what anybody else is saying in this term or, you know, what they're referring to. So, sorry, David, I'm not talking about exactly what you're saying here. But I can understand the concept of wanting to move the genre forward in some aspects, because if you look at JRPGs, and I'm just going to, you know, we're going to define that term as, for this podcast... That thing that that plays a hell of a lot like Dragon Quest? Or early Final Fantasy. Yeah. That's, in my mind, when I say JRPG in this term, I'm thinking Final Fantasy IV. Let's just define that right here now and not worry about the niche nitpicking of whatever the term means. So, when I think about that, I think that... That was fun back in the day, and there's ways to still do that now and advance that. But then you have stuff, as Sam can attest to, like Kimco RPGs, which I feel like are the you know the distant cousin that never grew up. Of that never those, grew up yeah. of those times, but, but and there's, there's that something... have not done anything new. There's something sweet to that, though. I mean, it, here's the thing. I, I feel like every single JRP franchi- JRPG franchise, and, and, and I do feel like they all do something a little bit different. So I don't like the mass generalization to say that they're all antiquated or stuck. I feel like everyone does something different. But I feel except like, for Kemco. Except for Kemco. <laughs> I, I feel, is... No, no but, 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 the fact that these, but the fact that they stay so close to the core formula of what was done in the past is something different. That That's a niche in itself, if you ask me. Like, there are people who make indie RPGs that don't attempt to innovate, that don't do anything new, that stay really tried and true to something that was out 20 years ago because that's the kind of game that they want to make and that's the kind of game that doesn't get made as much anymore mm-hmm. you know like if you look if you look at jrpg releases today at least in the major franchises yeah dragon quest still has the same feel from game to game but the tales games continue to innovate and the breath of fire series is not going to be the same after it goes to ios and the final <laughs> fantasy series is always changing but then I'll, there are there are those few games that are just kind of like you select commands, you go from point A to point B, and you deal with the same kind of cliched story, and that's the point. And I'll even you know go one further with you, is I agree that I do think there has been changes in innovation. And if you look at the Tale series, I feel like that's one that is more kind of a fine-tuning of itself more than a 
dramatic evolution. Yeah, but I'll I don't, even I don't, say I don't. I don't see any huge shifts over time. I would say the the things things like the battle system have improved. That's yeah. Of thing. It's still the same formula regardless. But even Dragon yeah. Quest had a major shift with Dragon Quest Nine, um, and not even going into Ten being an MMO. But with Dragon Quest Nine, it totally changed. You know the whole concept of how things worked. It was even for a time going to be kind of more action based. Um, but I don't agree that the genre hasn't moved forward. I believe that it has, but I think there are still key players out there that seem to get all of the limelight that make it look as if it's not moved forward. I just hate when people make these like uh, unilateral statements like this entire genre needs to move forward because no, like if it like I, I I'm a fan of survival horror, for instance, and I, and I really like the fact that there are things like dead space that push the bar as far as action goes. And I like the fact that resident evil five has, has attempted to make things a little bit more action packed from where survival horror used to be. But I also like the fact that there are, are players like Penumbrum or, or amnesia that are so uh, uh, tried and true to the original survival horror formula of, of being about sanity and, and living limited inventories and puzzle solving to push forward. Like, I like the fact that it's always a mix of, of series that are attempting to innovate or change and games that are ad- attempting to stay true to a certain format. I don't and, like the idea well, of... that. That's my point about evolution, Trent, is that yeah. there, is, there is a push and pull, and it's how we see that, you know, genre new genres get codified this way. Like... You know, 3D gaming hit with the N64 and the PlayStation, and the 2D platformer did go away because everyone thought 3D was the future, we will never do anything in 2D again. And now, 2D platformer is a valid choice of game. Like, you, like Ubisoft has a, has a staple franchise that is a 2D platformer. And Kelowna and 2.5D platformers are finally coming back in. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wanted to make this statement. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like you were saying about survival horror. There are some people that are perfectly content with same old, same old. And there yes. are some people who are wanting more. My frustration is that I'm going to come from it smack in the middle. I'm going to come at it from a reviewing standpoint as well. There are companies that I get frustrated with because of the fact that whenever I play one of their games, there is no change. Or the Atelier, the Atelier do, games? <laughs> no, those actually have subtle enough changes that I, I generally am going, nope, it's the same game, but the changes are subtle enough that I'm not angry. I am referring more to companies like, and oh, Mac, you'll know exactly where I'm coming from, Compile Heart. <laughs> which is a cluster. Let's do, and I said the F word, I'm very sorry. Their plot lines are always the same, but they create these game mechanics that are just completely ridiculous and not actually fun to play. Yet there are people who obviously find fun in them because they still sell. And I get baffled because every time I play a game like Mugen Souls or something, I just, I don't see how this... How, it can, how, are, Mu- how, how Mugen Souls Z could come out? <laughs> well, how it can be fun, I guess, is, is more my interpretation. Well, some of the I, people... Some of the people that I've talked to that enjoy those games that you're referring to like the anime story style more than the game itself, and they ignore the game part for the anime 
dialogue and it's kind of like an interactive anime for them. Well, well and, and, and there is this, and you, you brought up Compile Heart, and uh, I just got to say, like, I'm sorry, JRPGs. Slapping on three Byzantine subsystems is not really shaking up the formula. You're just frustrating and confusing me. <laughs> well, and, like, and for me, like, that's my biggest reason with Mugen Souls. Like, it jokes about having overwhelming tutorials with millions of systems. But it's a game where, yes, there's a bajillion systems, but none of them do anything interesting or important. But you have to master them all to actually proceed. That's exactly it. it and, and to me, that that is not innovating. That's not making the JRPG interesting. That is an example of a stalemate. And You're now, just I'll, not doing anything. I'll say on this end that I, I mean, I agree with you personally because those aren't my style of games. Mm. But I don't feel like they. I think the reason that we're seeing a problem with that is because they're easy to make, and therefore we see more of them. The problem we're running into is we've seen so few of the games that we're wanting to see in this generation. So it's not really so much a lack of evolution as a lack of quantity. We haven't had enough out there because I feel like, like I said, I don't think anything has gone stale. I think there are examples like you're referring to of games that try to do too much to innovate, try to do too much to evolve, try to, you know, just complicate things for the sake of just being unique and different. And they're their own little area, and there's nothing wrong with that. If you like them, fine. Nothing wrong with that. But what we're kind of referring to is just the general, if you look at something like, like I said, Final Fantasy IV again, going back to that and bringing it into the modern age, something like that would be hard-pressed to be completely new and innovative, yet at the same time you can get something like Persona 3 or 4, where the combat system was still, you know, you interact in a randomly generated dungeon, you smack something, you go into another encounter, you have turn-based combat, but there's some complexity around that, and then there's the whole social link aspect. That's the kind of stuff that I feel like has been built on to a lot of RPGs, and that kind of change has come forward. And that's just one example. There's plenty of others that I think really yeah. have evolved. But when you look at one thing, and like Kyle was talking about in this point, he was referring to Tales of Zillia. And with that game, you know, that really does seem, in a lot of cases, if you're familiar with the Tales series, like a lot of the other Tales games. Yes, oh, there are, there are details that are they're totally different. There are things that are totally different. But from the outside, looking in, the it's another Tales game. Well, and it was, and its biggest gimmick was let's give you two protagonists, except for the part where the differences between the two protagonists are actually fairly minor. Like, yeah, I, I just I, don't I, have I a desire, yeah. for example, to go back and play as Jude after finishing it with Mila. Even though everyone's like, no, Jude's the better plotline. I'm like, I don't care. I don't have the drive mm-hmm. to go back and play all the same stuff over again. Because to me, it was just one of those situations like, yes, this is a gimmick, but do I do I care? I'm still doing the same stuff. Like, if it pulls you in, awesome. But yeah. for me, that was a great example of just, I would rather play Graces again. This game's a good example of things, though, because despite what we're saying, and I have not, I've played Graces, but I haven't played Zillia, and you're referring directly to Zillia in this case. Regardless of that, fans still crave it. They oh, still, yeah. there are still Tales fans that are rabid, and you know they will say, "Well, this one's not my favorite. This one is," but it doesn't matter. They still want those games. They still crave those. Even Tales of Hearts R that's coming out on Vita, you know, that's not the 
better of the Tales games to be getting, yet fans don't care. They still crave that because they desire more, mm-hmm. and they feel like what they're wanting, they're not getting as much of it. So it's, it, that's, it, it should probably be mentioned that, like, I, I, we all know this, but, like, the RPG genre is fairly niche. Like, oh, yeah. Like, absolutely niche. Like, an RPGs live and die based on what kind of cult-like following they can rack up in, in whatever time they're available, you know? Mm-hmm. The, the, the reality is, like, RPGs that innovate and RPGs that stay the same, all of them sell because there's a different RP gamer for whatever different type of RPG that eventually pops out, you right. know? Like, it, 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 I think the frustrating thing is, is I, again, to me, like, I, I, I hate the idea that someone is pigeonholing a, an entire genre as, as being just stuck or, or antiquated. When I feel like, I, like I see all the different games that come out with different different styles, and there are some common threads because it is still within the same genre. But I, there's there's clear differences to me. I mean, oh, yeah. if, if well, someone if someone were to step up and say like, "Oh, I really wish that action games would change and evolve," well, a lot of people would be like pointing <laughs> pointing that person in the direction yeah. of like Platinum Studios and Grasshopper yeah, like, Manufacturer. What action games are you like, playing? <laughs> like, what are you playing right now? Because clearly you're not. Are, are you? just playing the same three Capcom games over and over again (laughs) but 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 that's a legitimate concern like if you're the type of person who grew up and has only played Final Fantasies their entire lives no you're you're not going to have any idea of what the playing field looks like because exactly there are a lot of companies your comfort zone yeah Mm -hmm. yeah but 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 if 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 you're making uh, judgment calls on an entire genre based on and, and I really I'm not trying to indicate that I believe that Kyle has limited exposure to the RPG genre because we can such... see his archive on Destructide and know he is, you know, one of the JRPG guys there. No, absolutely. But but to make such a sweeping declaration, I just feel is kind of dangerous. And I agree. And that's the biggest reason I hate genre labels in general. Because when we start talking right now about JRPGs and how, you know, they have evolved and haven't, when you are trying to compare something like Tales of Zillia to Xenoblade... It's not an apple and oranges kind of thing. They're not the same game. And we saw that during like the Battle Royale that we've been doing on the site is that when we're trying to compare two things, it's like, you know, that's not necessarily the fairest comparison yeah. if you're just trying to look at them and say, are these the same style of game? Sure, they're RPGs yeah. made in Japan, but they're not, you know, that's like comparing Call of Duty to Borderlands because it's a first person perspective where you have a gun. Yeah, that's and there's the and there's thing. questing and there's questing. Yeah, but 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 that's the thing too. Like, I mean, it's it's one thing to compare RPGs based on battle system. That's probably one of their easiest to identify uh, differences between RPGs. But like, uh, I, another thing is like, if you were to compare Zillia to Xenoblade, a lot of people would tell you that the biggest difference is like the way that uh, characters approach each other and how dialogue happens and the story trajectory. Like, uh, to a lot of RPG gamers, it's not just about battle system. And I feel like one of the reasons why games like the persona series the later persona series have caught on is not because of the battle system it's because of the the dating sim interactions elements that have been added to what was a otherwise a pretty standard uh dungeon crawler you know well, so i don't I, I don't i don't know there, there's there's a lot of elements that change you know well see the persona persona 3 and 4 took a bunch of disparate elements 
and made them work together incredibly well. Like the, these are guys who had a, knew exactly what they were doing, and they made all the systems talk to each other and jive together to keep you keep you engaged. Because you know that I remember playing Persona Three and being up at three in the morning. It's like okay, I'm gonna finish this day, fuse some <laughs> and save, and then not finish, and then well, do another remember, day. That's like reading a good book. It's that one more page, that one more day. Persona gave you a reason to keep going. Well, a lot of and the here's time. the thing: is that um, <laughs> get, getting back to what I was saying is that Mugen Soul Z has about five different subsystems that only interact in that they Don't make talk you, to each other. Yeah. They, they only talk to each other and interact in that being good at one will make you good better at combat. And or here's a robot thing that we haven't really done anything with, but know this subsystem for the time you have to do the giant robot plot, and it's like. So I okay. think the, some of the question is, you know, maybe Chemco's just Chemco and Compile Heart are just really bad at this. Well, you know what? <laughs> no, Actually, I'm going really to be fair. To, I want to be fair to Chemco for a second because let's face it, their why goal would is to, ev- why ever would you be fair to Chemco? <laughs> as much as I hated that game I played, I want to be fair to them because, for what it's worth, yes, they do one style of RPG, but they've made it a habit to be mediocre enough at it <laughs> and, consi- and, consistent and consistent in their mediocrity <laughs> that you know they can that they can just keep pushing them out so chemco's yeah, like, like formula so chemco jrpg formula, yeah. is like ubisoft open world game except better because they don't require billions of people and billions of man hours to make one game they can there's, and, there's, out. and there's no you play <laughs> yeah, exactly. oh man i've got this all backwards <laughs> I can finally quit you. I can finally quit Ubisoft open world game. We've confirmed Kimco is better than Ubisoft is what you're pretty much making an analogy towards, right? Oh. Yep. Confirmed. I, I, I confirmed. iOS RPGs are now better than AAA big budget titles. Confirmed. <laughs> I don't mean it like that, but No, I know what you mean. It's, and, it's just one of those silly things where it's like at the end of the day, they make games that people still want to play. They have an audience. They They have have an audience. audience. Yeah. They can recycle as much as they want. Uh, Well, I was just gonna say, like the the bigger concern is, like the terminology of like to to try and say that JRPGs need to evolve. Evolve to what and why? Well, um, Charizard might be a good one. (laughs) No, but but this is the thing. Like you can't just say you can't you can't just say things need to change without saying why things are wrong and you can't just say things need to evolve without stating what they are going to evolve to what is the next path what should a future jrpg even look like and what's wrong what, what's what's wrong with current rpgs for that matter i am glad you asked um because that's exactly <laughs> the point that i was getting ready to go into is Think about it this way. Put put yourself in the shoes of a developer. Let's pretend for a second that we could develop our own ideal RPG, and we wanted to make something that was a JRPG, for, for instance. Looking back on nostalgia, again, going back to the early Final Fantasies, because those were some of my first experiences with it, you know, like Final Fantasy 4 and 6, Lunar 1 and 2, those were some of the earliest experiences that I had really loving the genre. So if I was wanting to make an RPG, I would look back and say, what did I love about those games? And grab those aspects from it. What I would also do is say, what was wrong with those games? What is the part of Final Fantasy IV I I hate doing and I have a save file set up so I can skip it? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, what kind of things 
do I like not being able to save anywhere? Do I like the idea of having save points? Do, do I like, I like the, the idea of dragging my butt back to town for uh, revivals? You know, oh, do oh, you that's want, the worst. <laughs> yeah, do you want to lose all your progress when you die, or do you want to reset with some, you know, some money there, or you know, do you wish the characters had options of making dialogue choices? Do you wish that point where, you know. Pelham and Porum are about to turn themselves into stone, you could say, dude, don't really do that. I think we have, like, a rock here. We can maybe stop things, you know. I, I've, got, <laughs> I've got gold needles. We can fix this. Yeah, I mean, there's got to be something that you could do with those, yet still keep it the same way. I think a lot of this discussion comes from nostalgia, because yeah. we look back on what we loved, and we want more of that. But at the same time, I want it to change enough to be more playable, to have more options, and not yeah. just be the same copy and pasted material. But there, because, there, but, sorry, sorry. There, there, there's a there, there's a real reason why that change isn't that that, that change is so rare, though. I mean, mm-hmm. outside of little tweaks that happen to a series over time, or or even the more kind of drastic tweaks that series like Final Fantasy likes to take in between titles. Like, Mm -hmm. there are a number of examples of RPG entries in a series that did something really different, something that has never been done before, and it blew up in the company's face. A a good example is Breath of Fire uh, 5, Dragon Quarter. Or or Final Fantasy 2, the one that every Final Fantasy fan doesn't like. I actually, I actually love Final Fantasy. Well, you're you're, 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 you're the Saga like fan, though. Final Fantasy I kind of like is too. my least favorite, actually. <laughs> and three's mine. Oh yeah, three, three is really dry. Anyway, um, now, so so there's there's that one entry, and, and maybe series like Final Fantasy look back at that entry and think to themselves, "We're never doing that again," and then move on to new frontiers. But like, but, you know what? but but that 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 there certain changes can completely derail a franchise, you know. Well, you know, it's funny you bring up Final Fantasy in that light because that's actually why I gave up on the series. It was a series that changed too much for me. Every entry was different, and it never gave me the pull to go back. Mm-hmm. Like can, Mac, you yeah. sent me a copy of Thirteen, and I did finish it, but it was one of those, you know, I kind of sat there and I was like, I don't really get the appeal of this series anymore. I'm glad yeah, I finished and, it, but I don't I don't see the appeal. And and see, that's exactly I think Trent's point is in that case, you know, like I said, Final Fantasy is a series that I've never considered to be a traditional series because every entry is different in my mind. And with the exception of like thirteen, because you had thirteen, thirteen two, and Lightning Returns, which were all very much the same formula with different spins on it. Well, and, Lightning Returns is kind of an anomaly, and it's yeah, yeah, that's not. Well, even, we still see that on smaller scales where ideas will recur across a franchise, but yeah. But Sam's point's absolutely fantastic because what she looks back on as being a great Final Fantasy that she loved doesn't necessarily still happen. It, and I don't think with that series that it's necessarily been an evolution because it doesn't take those same formulas. It oh, just no. try and makes hold it, it. totally no. different. Final Fantasy is all about the revolution every well, time. And let's put it but, this but, way. Yes. But that's kind, of, that's kind of beautiful, though, isn't it? Because, like, you see, in my head, like, I, I, like I've played all the entries, and, and I think one is really bland. And I really like the things that two tried, even if all of it wasn't successful. I can't get into three. I adore four and its cinematic approach. Five, I'm not really warm on. Six, I, I, I was, six, I was floored by. 
guy. It's a masterpiece to me. But, but like seven, I don't get as much as other people do. Eight, I think I appreciate more than other people. Nine, I think is a totally overrated. And 10, I think is kind of a waste of time. Like I, I like where, where you feel about the series is going to differ from person to person. Well, but, but, at, but I, but I feel like everything changes every single entry and your favorite entry might be like, you know, one, four and eight and another person's favorite entry might be like four, six and 10 or like, you know, like it's, it's cool in the sense that because it revolutionizes every title, you know, maybe you didn't like 12, maybe you didn't like 13. Maybe you're really going to like 15 when it comes out, you know, you know, and it's funny you bring that up because, you know, I will respect four and six for being wonderful games. I, I still love them. I still think they're great games. But I think the majority of the Final Fantasy series is ass, and I always have. Um, but Tactics is actually my favorite, and that's the one I would say that's changed probably the least of the bunch. Because even with Advance and Advance 2, yes, you had your judgment systems, which I thought were crap and I hated them. But, you know, give it some credit. They were trying to make the tactical genre a little bit more interesting by giving you yellow and red cards like they do in soccer. I don't, I don't like the fact that you can't die. <laughs> but, but that's what I mean. Like, it's it's funny that my favorite of the Final Fantasy games is probably the one that has changed the least. Mm-hmm. And, okay, before this whole comment thread is just 15 Sorry, pages of Final Fantasy. <laughs> Inevitable, I know, but to, to, to bring it to a different idea is that, you know, I, I have to give points to the guys at Z-Boyd for taking what is essentially the Final Fantasy IV formula and tightening it up for a more modern audience while also maintaining the retro aesthetic that does trip the nostalgia buttons for a lot of people. Are you talking with their their two latest games? Uh, even even Breath of Death. Cause, cause, no, Breath yeah. of Death. I, I don't I don't. I think Breath of Death and Who Saves the World were more of the... Dragon Quest. Original. They, well, no, those no, were Dragon that, Questy, yeah. It, I, I would I, say I, they were more original Final Fantasy than anything. I, I almost get a um, oh god, what is the game series called? It was it was developed by Natsume. They tried to bring it back a few years Lufia. ago. Yeah, Lufia. I almost get a Lufia vibe from them. Mm-hmm. But yeah. there is definitely retro JRPG with a with just a reas just just sort of a eye towards reassessing what works and what didn't. Whereas mm-hmm. I think the Lufia revival was just hey, more Lufia. <laughs> Well, that Lufia revival game actually made some was, huge changes. Yeah, it was completely and that different. And that's why everybody in, didn't like it. Yeah, so maybe I'm thinking it of... went to being like a Kingdom Hearts style action RPG. Well, it was, not, it was an action RPG. You used the stylus. I'm, yeah. Maybe I'm thinking of a different revival. I think you're thinking of a different revival, sweetheart. Yes. I don't think you've ever touched a Lufia game in your life. I probably never will. <laughs> and you don't exactly. want to touch the DS one because it was very sad. But you know. Relative, to... relative to what it was, yeah. If if it was a completely new game and it was not a remake of like a treasured '90s classic RPG, I doubt it would have gotten as much hate. You know? Yeah, I played it and it was pretty boring, regardless of my feelings on Lufia Two or the original. <laughs> so yeah, that's fair. But 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 yeah, I, I see what you're saying with regards to the Z Boy games, and and yeah, I I I, I feel like a lot of um, their honing um, is in the battle system and and especially in the. Uh, in, in, in like the, the way they approach dialogue and character development and that sort of thing. Whereas I think they keep uh, things like dungeons 
uh, fairly consistent in terms of design and that sort of thing with with what would yeah. have been done in a more traditional JRPG. So it is a nice melding of the worlds, but yeah. Well, and I guess this, this is the other thing is um, so getting into how we move it forward. I don't I don't necessarily think forward is a direction. Forward will happen. What? When but it what needs. is forward? Yeah, what well, is forward? Well, I don't know what well, forward well, well, is, like, but I. Th- it's like history. Like we'll only know what forward is after it's already happened. Well, that's well, my point. Is I think right now we are seeing people move it outward into other genres. No, not necessarily Japan. Even though they are incorporating they... more, like more, yeah, a, a few dating simmy stuff and weird mini games. <laughs> I think the forward in my mind is an accessibility and that's the kind of things that, you know, like UI improvements and, you know, saving mechanics and things like that. I see that as a move forward, but I agree with you that it's more of an outward movement as far as gameplay and, you know, game battle system concepts and storytelling. Well, let's let's put this question out there. What was the last JRPG you were completely enamored with from start to finish? What was it about that game that made you say, this is a fantastic JRPG? Like, this is a primary example of what the genre should be. The last one that would have been for me would have been Xenoblade. And the reason for it was because it made those things accessible you know it got rid of encounters which i don't like anymore um, because i feel like it just takes away time that i don't want to be spending just with transitioning in and out of battle and it gave me story it gave me character development it gave me the option to do quests if i wanted to it gave me the ability to save anywhere it gave me the ability to explore anywhere and to fast travel between places and that was the last one I was completely enamored with and why. Hmm. Okay. For me, yeah, for me it was Persona 4 Golden for the Vita. I hadn't played Persona 4 previously, so it was a new experience for me. I hadn't even played Persona 3 at the time. Um, I just heard amazing things about it and really wanted to dig in. Um, having played a whole bunch of other JRPGs before this and, and not being a huge fan of dungeon crawlers, I wasn't really sure what to expect. The interesting thing is usually when I'm playing RPGs, I'm really enamored with battle and like character <laughs> development as far as like skill acquisition and level improvement goes. And I actually wasn't into grinding so much in this. I mean, I still develop my characters, but I kept coming back to the game more so because of the well, the, the, the characters themselves bringing me back. I wanted to see where the story was going, but I wanted to also develop closer relationships and social links with my primary cast, as well as the tertiary characters that were going to the school and the additional character that was added to the game. And then when I found out about the hidden dungeon and the epilogue, I wanted I wanted to play the to game. Do it all. I wanted to do it all. I went, and there was so much to do. Like it was my it was it was mind blowing, and it, I I kind of had the same feeling towards it that I had towards Majora Majora's Mask when I first played and completed the game because when i was first going into that game there was so much to do in such a short amount of time that it was daunting to me and i really thrive under pressure so i I really adored persona 4 because there was just so much to do and under such a short amount of time and it made me really relish all the moments that much more and i and i don't generally get that in other jrpgs so i feel like it did mesh some things from different types of games together and it did a lot of cool things that were different which i really dug okay and scott hater of jrpgs 
you know, I, I keep me, I keep eyeing Xenoblade, and I'm gonna say it was Persona Three for my for very, very much the same reasons Trent did say said the same thing of Persona Four, and it is just that it was something that could engage me on a few different on every level. Like, um, usually, usually in a JRPG, I will get you know hooked on a battle system. So like, I like messing around with tactical combats in Fire Emblem. But and I like messing around with job system Final Fantasies, but maybe the stories don't get click with me, or maybe the the, the story clicks with me, and I just sort of burn out on having to sit through uh, the combat to get to it. Ooh. Uh, in that very exact point, I guess I can totally agree with your choices on Persona because that's like one of the only games I heart. I never replay games, but the fact that I played Persona three and four on PlayStation two, and then. Three and four again all, on the portable all the versions. Other entries, yeah. You know that that says a lot that the quality of those games, and that leads me to a point. And Sam, this may be what you're trying to make, and I'll let you kind of share which one yours is. And I think I'll, if I know you at all, I think I can see the direction you may be going with this. Um, okay, think, actually, take a guess. What do you actually think mine is? An Atelier game? No, actually. No. All right. I love. Wait, 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 wait. I, I know this. It's um, oh, what is it called again? Uh, Mugen Souls. <laughs> all right scott take your guess <laughs> scott you should be able to probably figure it out oh yeah child of light child of light there we go thank you to me i wasn't even thinking of that direction sorry it is a jrpg inspired game 100 percent. okay it is the love letter to a jrpg made by french canadians so what about it was it what what sold you on that it had a magic power to suck me in i want to be sucked into the world and everything that's going on in it. And if a game can't do that for me, it loses points automatically. And Child of Light hit all the nodes of childlike wonder, imagination, child protagonist, which is always a plus for me, believe it or not. Um, I hate annoying kids, but I like seeing children in the role of heroes. Combat system was actually really, really fun. I actually loved playing the battles in that game. You know, and then you had the music and everything just accompanying with it. It was it was a full package. And that's why it's the only game that's ever gotten a 5 out of 5 out of me. Because, you know, it made me remind myself why I loved aspects of JRPGs. I mean, most people know my favorite JRPG is Valkyrie Profile. And that's another game where everything in it has a distinct connection. Everything meshes together, right? And if it doesn't have that harmony, it it doesn't work for me most of the time. Well... Here's my the point that I was going to go to, and I think we can still apply it to Child of Light as well, and with the Persona games especially. Storytelling has been a major, major issue in yeah. the Japanese role-playing game genre mm-hmm. as of late, or that sub-genre. Well, because I think I, it always feel, has been, because it's yeah, always yeah, would, been yeah, the would, gameplay, would, gameplay, gameplay, talky bit, gameplay sort of model. Yeah, well, I w- this I w- is I my point with that. Though. I would hundred percent agree. I-, I would say, if anything, like there are so many cliches inherent to RPGs that are exclusive to dialogue and story systems. I feel like if there's any one way that you can say that they're all antiquated, it has to do with the the tropes that they go back to. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think the Persona games really nailed it, because it wasn't a focus on that and. I think that's the example of why people dislike the Kimco games so much when they, you know, the people that don't like them don't like them for that reason because they're shallow. 
you know, they have no depth. They have no heart to them. They really do feel cranked out because they're trying to copy what was there in the past. I can still look back on, you know, Final Fantasy 4 and 6 and have strong memories of what went on in the story of those yeah. games. The characters that were there, they actually had something in my mind. They made me remember them. When I look back on all of the JRPGs I've ever completed, so many of them, the stories are like a blur. I don't really recall all the details of what happened. You could tell me things that happened in there, and I'd be like, oh, okay, I believe you. You could give me the names of all the playable characters in there, and I would probably remember one of them. But with other older games, I clearly remember them. You know, there's certain games and certain stories that really, really hit home with that. And I feel like so often the story is the copied and pasted, forgetting the cliches and the, you know, the tropes they get into. They're just not as memorable. And that Mm -hmm. has been the big problem for me with a lot of the newer JRPGs. They'll do something fun with combat. They'll do something unique and, you know, have a nice twist to it. But there's no heart to it. The characters don't really stand out. There's nothing special about them on some of these. And for me personally, that's what I need. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, a lot of people are like, ah, battle systems. That's the most important part of JRPG or an RPG in general. Yes, that's true to a point. But for someone like me... I've always been about story. Story is mm-hmm. always the first thing I go to. I can forgive generic. I can't forgive stupid. Mm-hmm. I can forgive same old, same old, but give me interesting characters at least to throw into the mix. That's mm-hmm. why for me, Valkyrie Profile has always been the best game ever. I remember all the characters. I remember all their plot lines. Mm-hmm. And I cared about everything that was happening in it. And it's the same with when I played Atelier Tatori. You know, I will always give Tatori lots of credit because it was a game I connected with. Same with Aisha, you know, and I don't expect people to connect with those games on an emotional level the way I did. I can count on my hand the three games that have made me ball like a baby. Why? Because the story works to give you that emotion. Valkyrie mm-hmm. Profile, Lunar, and Atelier Tatori. Oh, there are too many games for me. I, I don't like. I'm I'm not much for crying, but my eyes get all watery whenever any character but, in any RPG starts it. going down. <laughs> for some reason, there are JRPGs that do a really good job of evoking emotion, and then sometimes it comes across like a cop out. And I'm not saying that like every person's the same, and we all cry at the same moments. Let's face it. I'm sure lots of us, you know, cried during like Final Fantasy VI because you know it's sad. But at the end of the day, I mean, I need something to connect with. A great battle system is just a great battle system to me. Give me characters and give me a story that matters. And that's why I'm not liking this crop of, of JRPGs over the last couple of years. I just haven't been enjoying them. I mean, with the exception of the Atelier games, but that's because, oh my god, how many games have girly girls as protagonists <laughs> being girly girls? Do you know how much mm. I appreciate the fact that these are girly girls? Like, they're yeah. not crazy girls in clad armor or scantily clad outfits pretending to be, like, super warriors. No, they are yeah. legitsy girls. But they are also aren't, you know, it, it's not all, it's also not K-On with alchemy, which is another episode we'll get into. <laughs> it's, it's, it's interesting that we're digging into this, because, like, 
It just just to go back to like Final Fantasy 13 as an example, for instance, like the presentation values on that game are amazing, you oh, know. Yeah. And and but you and can't battle... do towns in HD. And, <laughs> <laughs> hypothetically, they could. They just were too lazy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think uh, they or, finally or, or, realized or the char- they were a few or, years behind or, or, deadline, or, or, and something or, had to or, go. Or the characters were on the run or something. I don't know. Um, but yes. But 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 yeah, like the 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 presentation value of the game itself is amazing, and the battle system. I, I stand by that battle system. Oh, it's I know a great it's, battle I know, system. Yep. I, I know it's not for everyone, but I, I fucking it. dig it. But if you look back, I mean, I don't think it hit everyone at the same time, but the part where Final Fantasy thirteen really hurts, and what, part of the reason why I don't think anyone's ever going to think it stacks up well in comparison to the pedigree of the rest of the series, is that the story is just so poorly told. And what yes. it is, and, and, and the characters are just either muddled or they're cliched or they're just they feel like they're cartoons in some instances like i i feel like the reason why persona 4 like stands up is because they it has a it has a ball and cast and and like mm-hmm. the the plot is kind of uh, but that cast you know you keep coming back for more um and the dialogue is meaningful and the character growth is real like i feel like there's elements to that story that have girth you know whereas final fantasy 13 it was really it's hurting. The, the, the characters in 13 are completely forgettable. They are. Whereas, Except for Lightning, because she punched you in the face if you forget about her. She's everybody's favorite lesbian girlfriend, who might not be a lesbian, but we'll have to check on that. She's, um, she's just a, a really mean person. <laughs> I agree with you 100%, and that's one of the exact same things I said about Final Fantasy 13 was that the story was what was lacking, because it was not necessarily the the overall concept of what was going on. I think if yeah. they had had an editor or somebody actually writing the story it just, with it, some it, depth, it's, it it's could weird have had something. And, and I've looked back, I've looked back at like the mythos that they built around this game and they clearly spent a lot of time building this world and like how it was formed and the gods and the hierarchy well, of the gods. It's weird because it's a well-developed mythos and all the pieces are there, but it's just the execution sucks. Well, I mean, to, to make an... <laughs> To, to have an apt comparison to that, Skyrim has a ridiculously developed mythos and has, you know, a lot of effort put into the background and no characterization. Like, no one... Like, people are talking about Skyrim to this day across the intertubes. No one is really talking about any point in the plot or the characters. But I, I almost feel like that's but they could. Skyrim, Skyrim became kind of a phenomenon. You know what I mean? Like I, I know people who haven't touched video games in years that bought like a PS3 and a copy of Skyrim to play Skyrim and do fetch quests for 180 hours because that's essentially all Skyrim is. You Sometimes know? there are courier quests. Yeah, They're like it's, fetch it's, quests. It's, 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 it's all done to like Aurora Borealis and some really like uh, ambient sounds, some really atmospheric music. Like uh, there's an epicness that's under underlying all of the fetching, but it doesn't change it... doesn't change the fact that there isn't much story and there isn't much characterization. Yeah. What would a JRPG have to do to reach that level of addictiveness? Addictiveness? I think or... some. I, th- I think some JRPGs already have. I, I think Xenoblade does that for some people. For some people. For it some people. For I think for, Final no, some, Fantasy Twelve did. Some, some 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 people find games like Final Fantasy Twelve and Xenoblade to be a bit of a slog. It really is completely about how open you are to uh, 
a more open, I don't want to use the word MMO because people will crucify me, but MMO style. <laughs> no, but there's also a preference to that as well. There yeah. really is. I mean, a, a lot of Western RPGs are going, this, you know, they have the same route. And it's either something you appreciate or you don't. Yeah. And you know? see, my love of those two games that you both mentioned, Final Fantasy XII and Xenoblade, are not the MMO aspects, you know, air quotes, that a lot of people hate. It's, you know, the style of open-worldness that is local, not the massiveness, if that mm-hmm. makes any sense whatsoever. It's, it does, it, it does. It, it makes I, sense. That's why like, I play Yakuza. Yeah. Honestly, I, I feel like... I feel like RPGs, JRPGs in particular, could reach that same level of addictiveness as Skyrim. But like, I feel like I kind of play. I feel like it's comparing two desserts almost. Like, if Skyrim is like a really good bowl of ice cream that you keep grabbing spoonfuls for, like a, a really well developed JRPG is more like a slow burn. It's kind of like a really nice souffle that you're just taking in. For me, like, I don't need to go back to the same game every single day and like spend every waking hour thinking about the game to really enjoy a JRPG. I feel like there's some JRPGs that I have not approached in the same way I would approach Skyrim. And I did, I did get addicted to Skyrim, all things considered, but, but I, I cherish them more. They, they have more of an after effect, you know, they, they stand up in my memory. You know. The reason I was asking that question was because, you know, before lightning returns came out, the, you know, director Toriyama said that their plan with that game was to quote, beat Skyrim. That was one of their, you know, goals with that game. And I think what they tried with it was trying to be open world, trying to have lots of quests, um, trying to have all kinds of options and things for people to do. Having and then lots they of... put it on a timer. Okay. Yeah. 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 It's they, they did. It, it, okay. And, and again, me coming from the perspective of loving Majora's Mask, the whole, the whole timer thing doesn't really bother me so much considering that there's, time manipulation mechanics in the game. But um, one of the things that I think they did that was smart in that game that worked in their favor um, as far as addictive questing goes is that they tied character development and growth to to questing itself, not towards uh, individual battles or experience or anything like that, but to, to the completion of side quests. So, they, so, so you would do side quests, A, because you want to help people, hopefully, and B, because you want to develop your characters and gain new costumes and that sort of thing. So I feel like their design was smart. I think the challenge is that they could have never beat Skyrim because, again, in my mind, Skyrim became such a huge social phenomenon that pulled in gamers and non-gamers alike to its epicness. And and part of me still doesn't even understand why. <laughs> but um, I think that's something that's kind of happened over the past generation during the you know the PS3 and Xbox 360 era, and a reason that a lot of you know this discussion about evolution of JRPGs kind of came up is that they were either trying to copy the same old, same old. And some of them did it well, like, you know, Trails in the Sky. Or they were trying to go in a whole other direction and copy the success of a Western style, you know, where you would get things Without like Lightning Returns. necessarily internalizing what made it work. Yes. And you know, I think, and I think part of the, this Western, East, the, this East-West comparison now is that uh, we're seeing an older, the, the advancement of PC style uh, or yeah, PC style RPGs come to a very broad audience. Yeah, 
because they're hitting the consoles and PC now. And, you know, people that were typically console gamers like myself and still are typically console gamers like myself are now getting those experiences. And they're like, hey, you know, I don't have to sit in front of a PC and play this, and it's pretty good, you know. So, yeah, it's given us a new experience. And that's where I think a lot of the push for JRPGs to evolve is coming from, but I think people are wanting it for the wrong reasons and wanting it in the wrong way. And developers are a lot of developers, not every developer, because there have been plenty of JRPGs that I've enjoyed, but a lot of them have gone the wrong direction. All right, so I, uh, we're coming up on time now, so do we have any any closing thoughts from Sam? No, I'm, I guess at the end of the day, for me, it's I'm always going to feel this little bit of frustration until I find, I think, the right thing. Is part of my problem. Well, you're never going to find the right thing if you keep jumping on grenades for the rest of the staff. Yes. Also true. Crying face. I try to keep the grenades away from her, but she, she keeps buying more. I have not. Uh, I have not bought the one okay. grenade we've talked about. Don't worry. <laughs> That's good. All right. That's good. Trent. Scott won't let me. Um, I would say that some JRPGs are going to grow and change and some JRPGs are going to either make minor refinements or stay fairly true to their own formula. And providing both of those groups have their own audience, I'm much more happy that the JRPG genre stay that way. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant of these sweeping declarations of requiring change because uh, change is inherently painful. Not to say that I'm afraid of change, but I like the fact that things are as varied as they are in this genre as of right now. Mm-hmm. All right. So my, my closer is that, of course, uh, the, the good Professor Sturgeon, he is always right. If you think JRPs are, aren't changing or are just are just bad now... Uh, it's because they've always been kind of bad, most of them. It's just that maybe you didn't see so many of them in the past. <laughs> so since I still have a closer yeah. after that, um, <laughs> I'll you know totally let you have your moment there. <laughs> um, but I'll agree with what Trent said, that change is a problem when it's forced and doesn't come from the right reasons. And I, that's one reason I fear for upcoming games like Final Fantasy XV. And I hate to even call that an upcoming game because it has been for years. But stuff like that, I feel like, and even on the Western side, you know, RPGs in general, I feel like are getting pushed towards, you know, designed by committee or designed by favor of what people want. And I don't think people really know what they want until they get it. So I just want people to be more artistic with their own visions, to be trusting in themselves. And that's the one thing I think they should really push towards. I can agree with that statement, actually. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, unless you're Toriyama and you're making Final Fantasy thirteen four, and then in which case I don't really care about your artistic vision, you can suck it. <laughs> okay. Or 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 if you're Ito and you're making Final Fantasy sixteen, you just do whatever you want. <laughs> I'll right. probably love it anyway. I second that. So speaking of suck it, feedback. <laughs> Oh, jeez. <laughs> okay, so for first item on my feedback, uh, my little list of points to address from the what comments left on the boards at rpgamer.com. You can find these in the latest update, se- latest update section. Is that goddamn Raya is a pod person. <laughs> at the end of the day, he's still a pod person. We well, accept it. Well, okay? at Done. this point, move on. he has admitted to commenting without 
actually listening just based on the seven sentence fragments I used to describe what we talked about. So, and he still hasn't clued in that his prize was a total slap in the face. So, there we I, go. So, so we can say whatever we like about him right now, and and he will never know that we're saying anything about him. And I'm but gonna we're gonna take the stuff. we're gonna take the high road, and this week. No, we will, we will, we will, we will. I'm just oh. illustrating a point, and that is, kids, it's important to read an article before you comment. Or listen to the content before you comment, and I I, 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 I would love to communicate that to the greater N4G community. <laughs> Not to take any stabs at other sites, but. <laughs> All right. So the other thing is the the other thing I'm noticing is that people agree with us, which I'm like weird. I, I find that strange. Confusion. I am confused um, by the fact that people are tending to agree with me. Now, I realize that anyone who disagrees with me is not going to listen or leave comments. So, eh. <laughs> well, I, that's the hope. The hope is that they do, though. I mean, I, not to say that I write um, all my editorials to antagonize people. I certainly don't. But, like, I would much rather have some thought-provoking discussion from someone who doesn't necessarily agree f- with my point than a, a, a bunch of silence. You know, we don't we don't want an echo chamber. So yeah, feel, so feel free to agree to disagree with what we had to say in this episode, and not the seven bullet points I'm going to leave on the forum. Yeah, and except me, except for except disagree. for me and Sam. Me and Sam were right, and <laughs> everyone else you can disagree with. Well, I'm going to make a point of saying increasingly controversial things, so people will disagree <laughs> with me in the future. So Max, a nice one then. Yeah, Me? no. <laughs> Sam, you're the nice one. Okay. Come on. I'm not yes. the nice one. Yeah, I, you say, are. I say things. That's it. <laughs> All right. Pleasure, oh, yeah. I guess the last point of feedback is, of course, uh, that our, our our good buddy, the, our good buddy in Japan, is uh, pointed out that he would rather use the phrase uh, RP Gestalt than, our, than genre spectrum. And that does have a ring to it. But I feel like both can exist in this space. <laughs> we love you, Michael Baker. <laughs> Which I do. I don't know about you guys, but I love that man. He's a pretty well, cool I, I guy. Know, yeah, he's, well, I think he's great. Yeah. Also, you didn't let me talk about Yakuza this whole episode. It's, it's like the greatest because, JRPG because, series because ever. You, okay, we can't get into that no, because not. then someone's going to ask if Zelda's an RPG. Yeah, and if it's developed in Japan, uh, if Zelda is a JRPG. I know. Yeah. I was trying to behave myself. We, you don't that, bring that up. I don't bring up Dark Souls. There's a place for Yakuza, fine. Sam. There's a place for Yakuza. We'll get to it. Can, can we just say that Akiyama's a hottie and I love him? No. <laughs> okay. Damn it, no, Trent! No. no. No, we can't. <laughs> I will start my Akiyama fan club in the corner. You don't have pens. I have pens. <laughs> Is there Akiyama merch? Is Sega smart enough to do this? No. No. Come on, Scott. You will clearly want the game where Haruka has dance battles. That's innovating the JRPG right there. Let's play DDR. Okay. In my RPG. They try to innovate that RPG by adding zombies. And why you would ever add zombies to a series that doesn't understand gunplay is beyond me. <laughs> yeah. I reviewed that one. It was pretty entertaining in its awfulness. All right. <laughs> although, although its references to Evil Dead made me super happy because they were done really well. <laughs> Once again, it's a series that's really well written. Gameplay, eh. Okay. Tons of like. So, so as a closer, do do. do... Do any of my other co-hosts have weird animal-based analogies to gaming 
Because this has all spawned off my whole thing about pandas, apparently. I like bulldogs. <laughs> and how do bulldogs relate to gaming? This is, that is the opposite of analogy, Sam. <laughs> that is a statement. <laughs> my cat's breath smells oh. like cat food. Sure, the um... Kingdom Hearts series is like a monkey flinging its own poo. Eventually, it makes some kind of picture on the wall. You don't know quite what it is, but somebody had fun with it, so more power to them. Thumbs up. Yeah. I wish it was about my Disney dreams and not about Sora's stupid adventures. I hate that kid. Worst Disney kid I've ever met in my entire life. Ruined Disney for me. I can't play those games. You wanted your hate and feedback, Scott. There we go. Some Kingdom Hearts some more. Oh, that, there, that's a. That, we're gonna have a whole episode for that at some point. We'll figure can, can it out. Can you give me my episode about why Kingdom Hearts is terrible for the Disney nostalgia kids in me? Because damn it, Sora should have been the ultimate Disney kid, and he failed miserably. Failed. And then that Riku, uh, that Riku there's, kid. There's, oh my there's, god. There's, there's a lot of intense feels going on right now. If I were to propose an analogy, I would say that JRPGs are to fish as action games are to fish. In that there is no such thing as a fish? In that all the fishes are fishes and there are hundreds of thousands of different types of fishes and and I don't really care about how they differ. They all swim in water. (laughs) We quote Dr. Seuss because there's, you know, the one fish, the two fish, the red fish, the blue fish. You just did, Sweet Pea. That was your quote. (laughs) Good night. Get, get your Sam Marcello merch. Just DM me on the message board. Do yeah. not spam my PMs. <laughs> Good night. Thank you for listening. The Active Topical Banter Show is an RP Gamer production, all rights reserved. Visit rpgamer.com for contact info, discussions, and other great content. Music by Nubuo Ematsu, arrangements courtesy of ocremix.com. Don't listen. <laughs> that is never ex- never come here again <laughs> i'm just sitting there like all flustered because you guys and your fan club jokes jesus christ <laughs> you have a fan it. club they want a newsletter it. so there's no joke when it's true yeah. yeah yeah you laugh now you just wait till you open up your wedding present and it's just a shit ton of stationery with your face on it <laughs> <laughs> oh god <laughs> Uh, I'm excited at the prospect that that's my wedding present. Look, Scott, you'll get to write on my ugly mug. Awesome. That, I'm so, that's <laughs> there, actually, I'm there actually is an ugly mug with your face on it. So. Yes. Uh, I gotta uh, stop laughing. You guys are hurting my stomach. Good. All of all of you are crazy. <laughs>